2009, coming off the back of arguably the best game of all time, Resident Evil 4, expectations were sky high for Osaka-based developer Capcom's continuation of the Resident Evil series for 7th generation consoles. Utilising a new engine, the MT framework developed for Dead Rising and Lost Planet in 2006, Resident Evil 5 offered higher enemy density, wider environments, and for a first in the series, two-player local and online co-op. While RE5 aimed to be bigger and better than RE4 in every way, it's not that easy to improve on perfection, so this month the RPD boys will be casting a watchful eye over this turning point for the series and judging whether Capcom oversteered or not. So, without further ado then, join us for a trip to the Kijuju Autonomous Zone in West Africa, and don't forget to bring a friend. So, before that, how are you guys getting on? Dave, Liam? Uh, not bad at all, yeah. Um, not bad at all. Uh, I finished uh, RE5 about a week ago at this point. Um, I think, uh, as as I've put on Twitter, there was a bit of a delay due to unforeseen circumstances in recording this, so I think we're all a wee bit behind on our thoughts, but we should be able to, should be able to put together a robust episode for all of our dear listeners. We'll see how it goes. Liam? Yeah, I'm, I'm good. Uh, I haven't actually recently played RE5. Um, haven't played it just last year. So it mm. still feels very fresh in my mind. Um, but uh, yeah, I've got some thoughts on this one. That um, going into my last playthrough, uh, you know... I really had an an idea of what I thought this game was. Um, and coming out of it, I've got sort of a, a different appreciation for it in certain ways, which I think we'll get into. Um, but yeah, I think you, you've nailed it there with, in your intro, it is difficult to iterate on perfection and how do you change something without, you know, undermining it. But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm like you, I went into it with sort of certain preconceptions based on my memories of playing it, but actually I did find a new appreciation for some elements of it. Uh, before we also get into that, I also want to draw special attention to this being the first episode with our new theme tune that we commissioned from Barry Epoch Topping, and I'm absolutely in love with it, so I don't know about you guys, but yeah. I think it's fair to say that we all are very impressed with it. It's uh, 
it's it sounds genuinely, and this isn't even well, I hadn't exaggerated. It genuinely sounds like something that could have came out uh, in one of the original PS One games, and that's not a joke. It's brilliant. Yeah, I think it's it's fantastic. That sort of, um, you know, it reminds me of things like. Uh, I mean, obviously, the obvious one is it, it reminds you of a sort of Resident Evil save theme, you know, save room mm-hmm. theme. Uh, like I said, from the original PlayStation One games, but then also the sort of piano bits remind me of something like the Parasite Eve Two or Parasite Eve One opening. Sorry, you know, mm. it's, it's sort of uh, you see the uh, Statue of Liberty and the the wee piano notes and stuff. I think it's it's fantastic. I love it. I've listened to it maybe I don't know fifty times since <laughs> since it was sent to us and can't yeah. get over. It. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. Stop listening to your own theme challenge, twenty twenty two. Um, so I think again this month I'm going to be pulling the boomer card and saying I probably well maybe not actually we, if if everyone played it when it came out then we played it at the same time but I probably played it day one pre-ordered it I'll just go through a brief background to my history with this game so mm-hmm. as everyone knows I'm ported Resident Evil 4 and I'm the Resident Evil 4 brand ambassador so when I heard there was a sequel Obviously, I was extremely hyped. I was watching all the videos of Chris punching people and uh, the crowds of enemies and all that and reading all the, I want to say magazines. Was it still magazines in 2008, seven? Around then, yeah. I mean, it may have just been magazine-styled websites, you know. So I was super hyped, got it day one and sort of played it immediately and obviously probably finished it that weekend because i was so just into resident evil um not not similar to now and uh yeah it was i think at the time i did have a good time with it apart from the things that we're probably going to mention a few times but uh what about you guys uh dave when did you first play resident evil 5 um properly uh two weeks ago um i'd never really played it before no like properly like i i knew the kind of plot progression, I think, because I mean, it's kind of hard to miss what happened at the end of this game because everybody was talking about it for reasons that will either, if you don't know about it already, will make it very clear um, when we get to it. But uh, before that, um, PlayStation Uncle was did buy this game. Um, it was his last Resident Evil game he bought. Um, he did not buy any past this, which is probably for the best, considering the next one is uh, six. Um, and he definitely wouldn't have liked six. But uh, I remember playing the opening level where they uh, where they uh, they hang that guy, um, and they, they they had that sort of a, the, the the similar bit in RE forward like it's you're just overwhelmed by enemies and it's just like a test of endurance. Um, and I remember really not liking it at the time, and I was like, I, this is not for me. Uh, I will play my um, my more uh, um, sophisticated games like Kingdom Hearts two, and that's a joke by the way. Um, so I didn't touch it past then, uh, and bought it on PS4. Um, when we were discussing what kind of episodes we were going to record, this would have been like six months ago or longer. And I was like, okay, let's let's actually give this a, a fair shake, and it did. And um, I, yeah, I, I thought it was actually okay. I, I, I have issues with it. Um, I've, we've we've already discussed in the IRE4 episode that like I'm not the I'm not as big on RE4 as you two are. Uh, and as a result of that, I think my opinion on RE5 compared to yours will probably be diminished as well. But it's, it's certainly not a game I hate. I did, en- I did enjoy my time with it. 
And Liam, uh, how about yourself? When did you first play uh, this rough gem? Yeah, so as I've said before on the podcast, my history of uh, with Resident Evil has been sort of spotty. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't play a lot of the games when they came out, certainly not the PlayStation 1 games, although I you know, was aware of them and, and had played them. When I say I hadn't played them, I mean I never completed them or really got into them. Um, the first Resident Evil game I really got into was Resident Evil 4, around about the time that this was... Uh, the most recent Resident Evil mainline title. Um, it would have been 2011 that I played Resident Evil 4 uh, all the way through and, and loved it. And I think the first time I tried to play Resident Evil 5 was in between f- uh, then and 6 coming out. <laughs> um, and I didn't, it didn't really click with me. I didn't hate it, but um, a lot of what I liked about four was was gone, or so I thought, you know, at the time. And also, a lot of what I wanted from a Resident Evil game then, um, five didn't offer me that. What did was obviously going from four. The the games that I was more interested in playing were the older ones. So, starting the series at four, I went backwards rather than forwards. Um, not to say I didn't, and we'll learn when we come to our next mainline title in the series that um, my attempts to play the the 360-era Resident Evil games didn't go too well for me. But that said, um, playing it this time around, I've just come at it... I'm, I'm all in on the Resident Evil universe now compared to the last time I played Resident Evil 5. So I would say I've got a lot more tolerance for, uh, we'll call them quirks of the series, mm-hmm. uh, foibles. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, uh, the first time I played it to completion was last year, um, and I hadn't really. The most I'd done before then was mess about in co-op for a bit with friends. I never really gave it the time of day. Oh, the the iconic story we um or or me Ewan and the the bridge scenario, um, yeah. which we'll we'll get into later in the podcast. I'm guessing uh, when we discuss the co-op element of this game. But yeah, yeah. All right. So about as I expected, I'm still the boomer of the group. But as we get further and further into the future, well then the story will start to change a wee bit, probably. But mm. so although I'm not relishing this, I'm going to give a brief synopsis of the plot to Resident Evil 5 and I don't want to get dragged down in too much detail. So the story of Resident Evil 5 is that following losing his partner Jill Valentine in a window fight with Wesker, Chris Redfield travels to the Kijuju Autonomous Zone in Africa to Kijuju City uh, as part of his work for the BSA, the Biosecurity Alliance, um, I forgot what one of these is for. So, and BSA is, is kind of like a anti-bioterror agency that has a sort of militarised arm that Chris is part of, but it's actually set up by pharmaceutical companies. So, although at the time 
everyone BSA is ostensibly good, especially Chris. There's a bit of a sinister backstory. So Chris arrives in Kujuju and meets up with Sheva Alomar, who's another BSA agent. However, she's seemingly not quite as battle-hardened as Chris, although she's very capable. So Chris is trying to stop a a weapons dealer and researcher named Irving. And while he's travelling through Kajuja to do this, it becomes apparent that the the Plaga's parasite from Resident Evil 4 has been modified by researchers from an evil company called Tricell to change it into a new type of Plaga. And this parasite's been spread throughout all the people in the area that you meet uh, by the time you get there. So the new Plaga-infested enemies are known as Magini, which is evil spirits. And Chris has to fight his way across Africa to catch up to Irving and Irving's bosses, uh, Excella and Wesker himself. Wesker has somehow brainwashed Jill Valentine by putting a squid on her chest. And uh, Chris is able to, with Sheva's help, unbrainwash Jill, fight Wesker, drive him back to his uh, sort of tanker where he's keeping uh, a new kind of bioweapon called the Ouroboros that will either give people crazy powers like Wesker or it'll just go out of control and kill them. And Wesker's plan is to distribute Ouroboros to the entire world, causing global saturation of the organism. And as you would expect, Chris is able to run away from Matrix Wesker and shoot him in the back repeatedly to cause him to fall out of a plane. And then he he, he deals with him appropriately in a volcano. So so that's a sort of brief outline of the the story of RE4. So when you were playing this, uh, having played the previous games, I would say obviously Resident Evil 4 is kind of a Hollywood movie, but it is quite self-contained and it obeys its own rules. I kind of give it a pass on the silliness. To me, it's mm. just like, this is fine. Uh, what did you guys think of RE4? Did it did it go too far? Was Matrix Wesker too much? Or oh, was it all right? Mean, uh, RE5, sorry. Sorry, RE5. Yeah. Um, for, for me personally, uh, coming off of... I mean, the series has always had its sort of... And whether you chop this up to um, bad translation and... Or not bad translation, but sort of rough translation and PlayStation 1 sort of voice acting. The earlier games had some like <laughs> I mean I'm gonna call them like like stinkers of lines. Like the lines are just incredibly like oh Jill, you know. Um so for me like leaning into that as much as this game does doesn't feel wrong to me. And in four obviously uh there's a lot of humor with um Leon wisecracking and you know uh sort of taking the piss out of Salazar and stuff like that. So um, Matrix Wesker is probably 
the thing that redeems this game in my eyes uh, beyond the sort of uh, fairly competent sort of gameplay. Actually, can Maybe. I jump in for one second just yeah. because the three of us have played it. So just to specify, Matrix Wesker is Albert Wesker from Resident Evil 1 and Code Veronica who can dodge bullets, catch rocket propel grenades with his bare hands and uh, fight off Chris and Sheva using acrobatic martial arts moves. And so the sunglasses. He uses and, his sunglasses as a weapon. Yeah. So that's just wanted to clarify. That's what we mean when we say Matrix Wesker. Yeah, yeah sorry. Um, and also, every single line that, that Wesker delivers in this is just hammed up to the nth degree. Um, the voice actor's, like, perfect. And it... It really gets me in my sort of... I love that kind of thing. So I can see why maybe um, you wouldn't like how Wesker's portrayed in this, particularly uh, when you contrast him to how he was portrayed in the original games and the fact that um, they kind of do a bit of an arse pull, bringing him back as well sometimes. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know they did that in Code Veronica, but I can see why people would have a, a, you know contentious feelings on it i think actually at the time it bothered me less whereas this time i was like what is going on yeah i mean if if you if i'll jump in here because i think the 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 opinion that uh, uh that i have in this particular situation would be uh that i think this game is kind of symptomatic eh? like the sort of um, exponential growth of um, Resident Evil starting to take itself a wee bit too seriously. I know it still has its tongue-in-cheek moments, especially with like every, basically everything Wesker says. Um, but you compare it to RE4, which is that like like you said, Johnny, like RE4 is like a, an action film where it's, it's Leon, he's got all these stupid one-liners, like they're, they're so corny that you you love it. Um, and it, Ava's there as like the sexy sidekick. Um, sorry, um, Ada is there as a sexy sidekick. Uh, that's also got like mysterious motives. Um, uh, it's an interesting and unique setting, uh, all that kind of thing. Whereas this is lacking the charm that RE4 had with that kind of thing like, that you don't really get the one liners because Chris is very sort of gruff and serious and God damn it, I've got to save Jill and all that kind of thing. And um, <clears throat> Shava. I actually genuinely like Shiva as a character. She's cool because she's capable and she's never made to look like outright weak. There's, she's less capable than Chris, but she's not weak. Um, but she kind of becomes a bit of an afterthought sometimes. It's like, it's, it almost feels a bit like Chris is there and then also she, Shiva's there. Well, actually, um, Dave, it's interesting you say that because there was the, the controversy when the original, I think it was the Out of Africa trailer was released. And it was yeah. uh, Chris just shooting a bunch of uh, black Africans. So there was a lot of outcry to that. And as a result of that, I think Sheva was upgraded from an NPC ah. to an actual partner. And they originally talked about having Barry Burton or Jill as player two. Um, I haven't got the exact details, but my understanding is that the development changed a reasonable amount in response to criticism of the game. Um, yeah, I think as much as I like Barry as a character, having a gun nut 
as the other player in that game would have not been a good idea. That would have been a bad look. So I'm, I'm probably for the best to change that. The uh, I think it's... I want to pick up on just a wee thing you said about RE5 being a symptom of, of the series taking itself too seriously. Mm-hmm. Um, and while I do kind of see what you mean, I think like the thing with Chris is Chris was always kind of a bit straight-laced. So it's hard yeah. to sort of portray him in any way similar to Leon. Like, he's not going to say stuff like, your right hand comes off. Like, you know. That is true, yeah. Um, so I, I feel like they could have had a good thing going here where, you know, because these are, this is so sort of uh, contempt. Like, RE4 and RE5, you can look at them as almost like companion pieces sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you can sort of contrast Chris in this to Leon in four. Um, and I think that they kind of tried to continue that in six and it just didn't work at all. Uh-huh. They kind of lost their way. Um, but I do think, you know, that five also kind of fell victim to just the sensibilities of the, of the era of that sort of 360 PlayStation 3 um, generation where I think video games had a had a chip on their shoulder for a bit. You know, it's like the, the sort of uh, the medium and the industry sort of went through their sort of like awkward teenage phase, you know. Yeah, where, everything became Gears of War for a while, that kind of yeah. thing. And they're sort of reaching a point where the fidelity of graphics and the sort of types of stories that, that games can tell are sort of reaching a point where they are almost comparable to movies, but they're not getting the recognition that movies would have as being a sort of serious medium. Mm-hmm. Um, so they start to sort of ditch anything that they think might make the games look sort of flippant or childish. And so I think that's when you get a lot of games that just sort of adopted the sort of I don't know how else to describe it, but the the modern warfare sort of brown and bloom type thing. And although, like, I I remember thinking of this game as being like, this game is just uh, shades of you know, uh, one color, you know, desaturated brown and bloom military type shooter. But coming back to, it, I think there's a lot more sort of uh, there is like a bit of like quite a bit of personality in five that comes through. It just it it does sort of pale in comparison to four. Well, see so that while I'm... is sorry, Liam. Sorry, on you go. Uh, that actually is something that I did want to praise about it. So part of RE5's design was, in contrast to Resident Evil Four, they wanted to bring out the horror of sun-soaked, sort of sun-bleached environments. So RE5 is so bright, mm. especially during the intro sections and. Although I know you're an Eggers fan yourself, Liam. I'm obviously mm. a big Midsummer fan, so you have that big, bright, white, uh, but still horror. And it, looking back, I was like, yeah, this, this, it still worked for me. The way they sort of made something that shouldn't be scary. Obviously, being able to see what's around you obviously isn't, but the sort of the sh- sun shining in your eyes and not knowing what's around the next corner and all that. I, I did quite like that direction they took with this one. Mm. 
Was it was the was the sunshine in your eyes not meant to be a mechanic at one point? I'm sure that was discussed. Too. It was that sunlight and heat was going to be like something you had to deal with in early versions of the game. And obviously, like you said, Johnny, uh, the the development changed quite significantly after that initial trailer. I think it was was it E3 2006 they showed it at the Xbox conference, um, uh, because obviously there were issues with that trailer. Um, so I'm sure I heard something like that, and um, that would have been interesting um but I, it's, it's it's hard to even like think about how it would have been incorporated into the, the gameplay because the gameplay might have been completely different even when that was being considered um but it would have been interesting to see like resident evil have like a, a mechanic like that because the closest comparison i can make is um something like well like the inventory sharing in this game and in re0 it's not the same kind of mechanic but it's like that's extra wee bit of management you have to have um, I was going to say the flashlight in Doom Three, that as mm. well, yeah, that as well. Uh, so, if that is like, I, I could completely be misremembering that, but I'm, I'm sure I've heard that before, and that would have been interesting to see. See, one thing I wanted to comment on that was, well, improvements not the right word, but because they were able to use more enemies at once, you have mm. that opening scene in the square where there's a ton of enemies coming at you all the time and obviously that is technically it's a huge improvement being able to show all that but i felt playing it the second time around the way that it makes you play is less fun than re4 so yeah the sort of more optimal way would be you'd pretty much shoot everyone in the leg run past them all to get somewhere safe and then try and like pick off the next guy or use a barrel or use a grenade but for those extremely busy scenes it's really it's cautious to the point where i'm like well when i was killing enemies in re4 i was having a lot more fun because i was sort of stringing together kicking this one running to the next one but in this if you're like right there's three enemies in front of me i'm going to focus the first one you're just going to get stabbed in the back so you Mm. you can't really Mm. stay and play as much as you'd want to you have to really be very cautious and keep moving. And I think that's where the the kind of core new gameplay element of this comes in, and that's the co-op. Because obviously you and I uh, both, play, when we played it recently, Johnny, and I believe you as well, Liam, did, did you play it co-op? I can't remember if you said you did or not. I played a lot of co-op um, with uh, friends of the podcast, Malcolm and Yoon. Yeah. But when I actually played through the story, I played it solo. Right, okay. So... I think that's like the, what you're talking about there, John. Is like it, it's less fun um, in the sense because you're having to be so like cagey and cautious. You can't you can't really take your time in this game when you're playing a single player because I mean let's let's get this the elephant out of the room here. The, the AI for chef is dog shit. Um, it's not great. Um, presumably because like they just kind of had to put it in there as a gesture so that people could play it single player. Um, but from what I understand, because uh, I've never played it co-op myself, but like you play this game co-op and that's that's the, the definitive experience um which at the time was something completely new for resident evil i mean there was the outbreak games but not they're not really the same kind of thing to be honest um so i think like maybe if you've got like two people that are both like decently competent at um these style of games you probably have a lot more fun but that also is dependent on you finding cooperative games or online games in general fun as well and that's i suppose that's where the disconnect comes in with like resident evil um because i like i i've personally like to play them solo 
Um, so it feels like you're missing it on the definitive gameplay experience by not wanting or being able to play at co-op. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I definitely agree. I think it's almost the the co-op AI is almost bad enough to justify online only because mm. it's it undermines this experience in serious, annoying, irritating ways. Um, now, if I refer to Sheva, it's just because I was playing with Chris. It's not actually Sheva's fault. It's the, the co-op, co-op AI. But when mm. I was playing, Sheva would get hit by major attacks uh, for no reason. Like it wasn't Standing like... There, yeah. There wasn't a warning, oh, someone's targeting Sheva or a big enemy's going to explode or whatever. It was just Sheva chooses to get hit by the big attack. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to run away and be careful and whatever. And then she dies and it's like, well, your game's over. I'm like, well, hold on. I've made zero mistakes. I've shot everyone in weak points, followed things up, collected items, spaced enemies out. And now you're telling me I'm I'm dead because I didn't babysit the the other player. Mm. And also, most egregiously, is when you send Sheva somewhere that you physically can't go and she either dies, loses a quarter health, or doesn't collect herbs, and you're just looking at the screen enraged. Well, at least, obviously, I don't get enough sleep because of the toddler, but it was really, really winding me up. I do remember the first time I played it getting angry at it as well, but this time more so, maybe because I've got less time Mm. and I wanted to just play the game like a game and not like... I don't know. No, like uh, an, an egg acquiring simulator where you haven't keep shouting, give me an egg, give me an egg, give me an egg. Um, <laughs> there's sections of the game that are designed around co-op in a way that isn't, uh, isn't specifically in relation to combat. So at one point you reach uh, some mines mm-hmm. and the mines are pitch black and to get through them you need to carry a torch. But you can't carry the torch and you can't shoot at the same time. So really what you're supposed to do is have one player carry the torch and the other players on like babysitting duty. Yeah. So you've got a toss up now of, all right, do I give Shiva the torch and she's useless at pointing at where you want to go so you can't really see anyway? Or do I carry the torch and hope that Shiva, uh, you know... It's not useless, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So basically what ends up happening or I found, was I would go a few steps forward, put down the torch, shoot them myself, pick it back up, keep going, and it's a pain in the ass. Like, what I would have thought they should have done, I mean, it's easy to go back and criticise, like, a however old this game is, like a 10-year-old game, and say, you should have done this. But I feel like they needed to do more to accommodate Sheva in the single player and not just be not just approach it from the AI must replace a player character right Yeah. so for instance in this section they could have scripted Sheva with the torch by default and you know just completely babysit her through this section so that the AI isn't having to make decisions as such you know yeah, make she sure make... she's facing the right way at all times so the player's not having to think I am not having fun because yeah. the other the AI's not helping me. Yeah. Yeah. 
So like have it so that she walks forward of, uh, to a certain bit and stops and points the torch. Like just it's about sort of how you accommodate it rather than I mean the AI bleh. AI is difficult. I get that. Like it's not you know it's not just a thing you can switch on and put in a game. But um, I feel like things like Johnny, you mentioned off the podcast, and I hope you don't mind me uh, nicking it, but. Um, you said that you thought that she shouldn't be able to be killed by strong attacks and that she should just go into a down status instead of yeah, death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or she should have, you know, infinite ammo and stuff like that. Because there is no reason why you should have to babysit her ammo. She's useless anyway. So by giving her infinite ammo, you're not, you know... There's things where they could have just... Um, used sleight of hand and been like, "Oh, it's uh, it's just like the co-op experience. It's AI and and then just be like, but actually, the AI isn't doing a lot. It's just filling in the bits where we can't script it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Just make it a scripted thing, really, more than that. And then you could. I know it's it's possibly a lot of work because they have to think of the the co-op experience and the single player experience, but. If you can't do that, I would prefer that you focus on the single player experience and sack off the co-op. If you can't afford to do both properly, you need to have the single player experience. Yeah, I think the it's the other issue as well. You can't like it's it's to the point where you can't even like use her as a as a, a tag along like um, item safe because mm. you can give her herbs totally, and then you but then you she can't combine herbs on her own. You have to put it back into your inventory, combine them, give her them, and then she can just use them at any point. So you you, you can't tactically use heals. Yeah. Um, the AI will just use them when it sees fit, but you don't know when it sees fit because there is no way to control that. Like You can give her orders. You can t- tell her to be defensive or offensive, but that's it. There's no more than that. Yeah. So she's, just, she's too much a liability as an AI character, um, which it really did like hamper the the game for me in a bit um based on that yeah there's a couple of things in addition to what you said so she won't pick up ammunition unless you tell her to at times Mm -hmm. so if she's got a rifle she won't pick up rifle ammo unless you call her over and say partner picks this up so that's another one um and one thing that annoyed me a little bit was the variability. So sometimes she's really effective and she'll spend five seconds where she does a sort of follow-up kick, absolutely knocks someone down, headshots two enemies. But then 15 minutes later, she'll die to two enemies. So it's unreliable and unpredictable, which makes it... That's just... I mean, I don't want to go on a bit too much, but oh, it was so bad. Yeah. It was the worst part of the game for me. I enjoyed everything else a lot more. Now... If I put that aside, there's a lot of elements of this game that exist to serve the two-player experience, like proximity healing and being able to get your partner out of situations. And now I've just realised I've got one last complaint. So what a player would do if you're fighting, for example, a boss that has a weak point on its back is one player would go to the back and one player would stay at the front. Mm. What Sheva does is run in a quarter circle to your side so you can never look at your enemy's back. 
she's relentless. You could send her forward. You can tell her to come back. She will not help you to flank someone ever. It's okay. I'm, now I'm done. I'm not going to say <laughs> anything else bad. The AI is terrible. If you like the AI, I hope that your treatment regimen is going well and that you've got friends and family who can reach out to you at times. But yeah, so the parts where you're actually playing with a person, which I didn't do this time, which is probably why I'm bitter, is quite good. Like the fact that you can spray someone when they're getting close to danger and that means they're healed without having to stop attacking. And the part with the lantern where one person's aiming it and the other person's protecting them. There's a few things like that. There's a lot of wee two-player set pieces that work quite well, but it's just you need to be playing it with another person. And I think, actually, if you've never played RE5 and you've picked it up on sale, maybe just go and play with a rando um, and you'll maybe have a better experience as long as they're not stealing all the ammo. Probably, yeah, I would imagine you would. Even just the matchmake with somebody that on online, because I'm pretty sure there's, there's usually a pretty steady pe- uh, amount of people playing it, usually. Yeah. If I um, could jump in there just to uh, touch on, on my experience co-oping it recently. Um, mm-hmm. I just think, you know, the, the game really does shine when you're co-oping it. Mm. Uh, particularly if you play with people who are uh, disposed to have a laugh, basically. Um, and there are bits, you know, any sort of co-op or a game like The Last of Us where you're babysitting an AI uh, partner, they have a lot of things where, like, one player has to go and interact with the Switch while you do something else. Or, like, you know, somebody props open the gate and you have to go underneath. Um, and RE5 does that as well, which is, you know, your mileage may vary with that kind of thing. I see it as being... Uh, people put them in games because they feel like they have to justify it being a co-op when really you don't, I don't think like Halo never really did anything like that. And Halo was a really great co-op experience. Anyway, just a wee anecdote. My favorite bit of playing with uh, Malcolm and Ewan is there's a point in the game where there's a drawbridge and underneath the drawbridge, there's a spike pit. And so one player has to go up and above to a switch or it's it's like a crank handle and you're overlooking the bridge and so you're supposed to roll the crank handle to bring the the drawbridge kind of falls down when it's not in use and comes up when it is in use so you roll the crank handle to bring the drawbridge up and you're supposed to hold it in place while the other player goes across now i think anybody who's ever played a co-op game with some friends can see what's going to happen here where the person who is holding the crank handle is in complete control of the fate of the player crossing the bridge. So uh, Ewan's going across the bridge and I drop the crank handle and he <laughs> falls into the pit and everyone has a laugh and it's like, right, right, right. But we were doing it to the, you take it to the nth degree and it's like, you know, the seventh or eighth time somebody's trying to cross the bridge and they fall into the pit, and it's just like, ha, 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 okay, right, we, we really need to get going, let's let's get across this bridge. So we're all like, yeah, yeah, okay, well, we'll do it seriously this time, we'll we'll roll the crank handle, we'll get across the bridge, and you can open the gate to let me through, and, and we'll continue with the game. So we roll the crank handle, Ewan's about to cross the bridge, we're like, right, okay, 
promise you can go across the bridge now. And as Ewan's crossing the bridge, Malcolm slaps the controller out of my hand so that the tank handle falls and Ewan falls into the bridge, uh, the pit. And it's just stuff like that. Like even, I know that's not like the aim of the game, but just, you know, you, you can have a real good laugh with uh, RE5 and co-op, even if you don't like the story or if you think that it's not scary or if you think, you know, Matrix, we- uh, Matrix Wesker ruined Wesker or any of that, there's like a lot of fun to be had. If you just find a friend and get a copy of RE5, I promise you'll have like a good time. So. Yeah, actually, that makes me think of something that I was going to mention. So so I don't know if Malcolm listens, but I've heard that Malcolm plays games wrong, and I'm not going to specify the details <laughs> of that. But in this game, rather than having a merchant, you can actually do mid-mission shopping. Mm, yeah. So if you're so disposed, you can play mission 3-1 100 times to collect whatever, and then just upgrade every single item in your arsenal um i find that quite interesting the first time i played i also can tend to over engineer the fun out of games although i still had fun but what i did was i played the first mission twice got all the gold twice and upgraded the pistol fully not this time around i just went through the basics but it's interesting you can do that they do gate the upgrades so you can't have a fully upgraded pistol without having beaten the first boss but you can upgrade fairly heavily and I think it ties into the co-op because you might go and do the second level with someone and then go back to your own game. So they want to be able to reward the individual play sessions a wee bit, I think. Yeah, it gives it an arcadey feel, which is interesting. Uh, RE4 didn't... like It's the same kind of concept in RE4, except you can only upgrade when you're at the merchant. Uh, and you also get combinable um, treasures, which are not in this game. It's just singular treasures that you sell. Um but that feels like more like methodical. It's more like a, an RPG type system, mm-hmm. uh, whereas in this, it's it's quick, it's snappy, it's meant to be to service the online play end of things. Um, so if you've got if you've got money and you you die in the middle of a mission, uh, then you get you can go straight back to shopping and upgrading stuff. Uh, so like, okay, our guns are not good enough for this. Let's go back and upgrade straight back into the mission, and it, it works really well actually. It's like these the it's the, the pacing of the game is like quite quick, but it tends to work in its favour, especially in terms of playing at co-op and all that kind of thing. At least I would imagine anyway. Mm. This is a, a game that really... Um, I mean, it depends on how much you like to replay games, but Resident Evil games, for me, replayability is a huge part of, the, of a Resident Evil game. Mm-hmm. And the lack of replayability in 8 is one of the issues that I'm having with that game going forward, not in my initial playthrough of it, we already touched on this, but um, 5, I think, is one of my favourite Resident Evil games to go back and replay. Because there's so much freedom in like stuff like, you can unlock a lot of the... Uh, there's some really crazy guns. There's a sh- I can't remember what the shotgun's called, but there's this mad shotgun, um, and you can get infinite ammo for that, and then you can get different you know costumes, and then you can go into each level and like the level select is really good. You can just play whichever mission you want from that point. Play the entirety of the mission and then play a different mission and you carry over your sort of gold and items and weapons and stuff like that. And I really enjoyed that. And you can change difficulty um, in between. And there's a lot of stuff to collect in this game. So 
for me, I just really appreciated that. Um, Loads of wee things to do, which is always yeah. nice in these kind of games. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I actually, despite struggling to get this finished just because of life circumstances, I did consider going back and playing a bit more mm. uh, just because you can and because it's so easy. I was like, oh, maybe I'll replay this level. Um, although, again, I was thinking of doing that online, maybe just dipping into a game or two. Because mm-hmm. since we're talking about praiseworthy things, the mm. gameplay itself is pretty good it's the re4 moving aiming uh laser sight over the shoulder which works really well for this yeah and it's got similar attacking enemies weak points and uh, thinning them out with grenades although as i said earlier there are, there are elements where they just give you a huge crowd uh, i think that's kind of a bit like the intro to village they throw one overwhelming moment at you mm. and then the rest of the game is actually much more manageable. So mm. so although you do get some crowded areas, you're usually, as long as you're moving and shooting, you're, you're okay. The one thing they added, which I thought was, in a way, when I was playing it, I thought this is the beginning of the end. So you get to these uh, sort of cross-hatched, pattern areas with a sort of warning tape that you can then get into cover next to either waist height cover a la gears of war or you can cane lynch style go against a wall and it's only for very discreet areas where there's enemies who have got ak-47s with ominous green laser sights and then it does become more of a sort of shootout between the two years mm-hmm. and I thought it played quite well. I was like, oh, this is sort of a new element. We're almost in a sort of new game for mm. a moment. But it was still sort of a halfway house. So I thought this is about as far as you could go. Like I wouldn't want it to be more cover shooter than this, which RE6 is at points. Yeah, it was uh, good to say that. Like they bring that back with a vengeance in RE6, where like especially in Chris's campaign, where it is like a a, a stop and pop shooter, basically, um, which was a sort of signif- uh, signifying of the sort of death knell of the series at that point, or that's what it looked like anyway. Um, but yeah, like you're, you're right. It's like it's it's there's like wee interesting like things that they try in the game. It's, it's like Liam touched on earlier. There's like loads of wee like co-op um, sort of situations where like okay. You need to go over here and pull the button or pull the lever, push the button, and I'll stay here and like cover you, all that kind of thing. And then you've got the the cover, um, cover shooter parts and all that. And it's it's I didn't expect that for this game. To be honest, I thought it was just going to be like it's going to be like a less good RE4. And I, w- I still would hold that opinion. It is a less good RE4, but there's elements in there where you were like, let's. Where you could tell that they were kind of like let's explore different types of gameplay um we've already made the re the series like a third person action shooter now so let's sort of diversify see where else we can take the series let's try this let's try that um i did appreciate that it's it's something i did not see coming in in terms of like the the enemies it's broadly the same as re4 so mm. there's a, a few new uh magini uh, like the guy who turns into like a massive sort of shell that opens up and eats you. Oh yeah, yeah. Him. 
and those guys were super dangerous so I just flash grenaded them every time and I'm trying to remember what the other ones there's one where it's just a big sort of tentacle for a head um, I felt like they weren't quite as good as the original Plagas where you had the sort of the swinging scythe sort of head it was a bit more like something out of Parasite or yeah. the thing or like the actual parasites that jump off and run about like you had those on their own but wasn't super into the Magini but like the the boss fights so there's a, a fight against Jill where you try to remove her her chest squid and you don't actually need to attack her it's all about dodging and reacting and then entreating her hmm. uh, Jill you know snap out of it that was quite a good fight I quite enjoyed that and I enjoyed other elements of boss fights like the Wesker fight where you have to sort of shoot a grenade in his hands and then wrestle him and stuff like that what did you guys think? The um, I think the boss fights let me start again there's a boss fight early on I don't know if you can call it a boss fight but you're basically fighting a, a, an El I can't pronounce it El Gigante yeah and you sort of start to worry like are they just gonna bring up you know RE4 boss fights again. Am I going to fight? Because you do then end up in a a swamp on a boat and you're like, oh, am I going to fight a uh, a lake fish again or something mm. like that? But you don't. They actually, they're quite inventive, I think. Um, the worst one is the boat one for me. The one where you're on the big boat and you have to sort of shoot the turrets and stuff like that. I just oh, don't yeah. enjoy that. Against Irving. Yeah. Um, I really enjoy the Wesker fights, uh, but I don't know how much of that is just enjoying Wesker. There's the one where he's like, seven minutes is all I can spare to play with you. And then, there's no use in hiding. Yeah, <laughs> and like, and just the the one where you're, you're shooting him with rockets. The ridiculous sort of um, idea of like he can't see you when you turn out the lights because he's walking around with his shades on like a tit. <laughs> so it gives you a chance to fucking fire a rocket at him, but then he catches it with his hand. And um, yeah, I just, I find them to be a lot of fun. Uh, the final fight for me could have been better. Like the very last boss fight. Yeah. Um, but yeah. I feel like that's a common complaint in any Resident Evil game. Um, final boss fights tend to either be, you know, fine, or they can be a bit of a. I don't. Know, I think that Resident Evil as a series has a, an issue with um, final boss fights being a bit of a, uh, not like a down damp but squib. Like, yeah, they just kind of not a disappointment, but you're just like okay, mm. if they play out. But I don't. I don't care. Um, the rest of the game makes up for it. I would say I quite like the El, El Gigante fight, or like it's called something else in this, um, mostly because like it, it plays a lot like a House of the Dead boss, uh, which mm. I found really interesting. I was not expecting that at all. Like the the, the level leading up to it is awful, like the, yeah. the 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 real shooter bit because enemies just spawn it anywhere, which shouldn't happen in a real shooter. That sucks. But like the boss fight was fun. It felt nice and arcadey. Um, I like the design of the new El Gigante guy because um, he's got like a skirt made of just people. That was oh, yeah. fucking really gnarly. I like that. Um, 
did not like the bat the bat boss fight. It just felt a bit uninspired. Um, yeah. Maybe I was just approaching it the wrong way. Um, I didn't like the design it either. I thought it looked stupid. Um, well, the the bat boss fight and the one immediately before that, where you have to bait the thing into the incinerator. Yeah, yeah. They feel both, like both. the same fight to me because they're both clearly designed for you to use your co-op partner to bait yeah. them around. And then you have to play it with Sheva. So you don't even get that element of the fight. Well, it's actually, just... that first boss, the first Uroboros, I really enjoyed. I remember the first time I played the game, I was like, oh, what's this? You know, the the graphic of it and also just the way it's sort of crawling at you. It's almost like for such an early boss, it feels like it could be a later game boss mm. in terms of what it is because it's a heavily mutated creature coming after you and also luring it into an incinerator is that could be the end of a lesser Resident Evil game. Yeah. Actually, since we're talking about bosses, Irving's voice is fucking atrocious. I love it. Yeah. It's so stupid. It's, I love it. I wish he was in the game a hundred times more, just so I could hear him say, I just had an extreme makeover. A hundred <laughs> times. I think it's great. Oh, God. And Excella also is annoying. Like, I guess maybe my standards have improved because I, I remember not thinking it was great the first time, but this time I'm like, oh, come on. It's, like, it's her character is um, she's riding Wesker. That's basically it. Um, just her voice is just like, oh yeah, yeah. whiny and like ugh. And I don't think she's from Exelastan. I think it's just a American woman putting on a daft voice. You know. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah. You could get someone who's maybe Greek or Turkish or has an interesting accent, rather having and also, you know, New York exists. You don't have to get whoever the fuck Irvin was to do his worst <laughs> Meowth impression. Oh, I mean, I think, obviously, I think it's DC Douglas steals the show as Wesker. Mm, um, yeah. And Chris and Sheva are pretty good, although I noticed with headphones on, Chris didn't sound quite right. Just for being the absolute £300 meat slab he is, he just sounded a bit too much like a sort of youth pastor or something, you know. <laughs> The uh, I I really like um, Josh. Oh, he's great. Josh Stone, like, yeah. Uh, when you first meet him, you're like, "Who's this now?" Um, but for like such a, he plays. I mean, not a tiny part in the game, but he plays a fairly small part. But I really endured him in that small time, and uh, I really hope he comes back because I don't think there's any because he survives RE five. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he's been back since. Yeah, if they could bring back, because obviously him and Sheva have like a relationship with each other. Like it's it's no like brother sister. It's like sort of um, like mentor, yeah. mentor, mentor and student. Like yeah, camaraderie. Yeah, and if they could bring them back in a future game, that would be cool. Because well, if um, RE eight teased a lot of BSAA stuff at the end, didn't it? It did. Yeah. So it Chris like clone goes guy. off to BSAA headquarters to investigate why they're using. Uh, are they using some sort of virus troops? Yeah, they're using like, zombie soldiers, se- semi tyrant soldiers. Yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah. So I feel like that provides a good opportunity to to bring back <laughs> Sheva and and uh, Josh. It does, yeah. I would like Although it's kind of like 
George Lucas saying he wanted Han Solo to just be with the white picket fence. You know, in a way, you don't want to bring him back. You just want Josh to be chilling in his yeah. part of the world, not having mm. to get turned into a zombie for your entertainment. Right. But sort of. I would like to see him again, though. Like, I think maybe they've missed their window, though. Mm. Nobody knows like, who he is. Do you think it would be good if he turned up, uh, you know, on like Die Hard with Vengeance, um, when uh, John McClane needs help, he phones Alan, and Alan's like, yeah, I'll help you. And that's his wee cameo. Josh Stone just like picks up the phone and he's like, have yourself a nice bonus. And Chris is just like, yes. That's all he needs to take doing the corrupt BSAA. He just needs Josh to say bonus. I would say get, get Josh to have his own revelations game with Sheva as the other player. Oh, that would be fantastic. That would be great, yeah. Oh man, I'd play yeah. that. Um, and that's the thing we didn't mention that because obviously it doesn't exist yet but what RE5 tried to do sort of became the lower budget Revelations series after the second game mm, where Revelations is just the the explicitly co-op Resident Evil Um, but I suppose you call this the precursor to stuff like Revelations 2 Mm -hmm. I think like the Resident Evil series is is so big at this point that it can accommodate all these different types of experiences. You're not having to just go, well, we want it to be this and we want it to be that. You can really have both. Yeah. And you can have whatever, I don't know, light gun games there are, or you can have, you know, I mean, the fact that Revelations was on the 3DS is a, is just a, it, it shows like, how versatile the series can be it's just about when it's appropriate to change these things yeah so like for an example of something being not appropriate would be uh like reverse which is that's is that even it no it's still <laughs> not it is it uh but like i think per- perhaps an ill-advised uh direction for the series to take but like yeah like there's absolutely mere appetite for games like re5 where there's a, a robust cooperative element to it um like like a revelations 3 i'm sure would go down a storm and there's been rumors about it potentially happening but i don't think anything's came about yet but i would definitely be up for it because even revelations 2 like we recently were at um ewan's flat like a couple months ago and we had a great time playing that game it was a great laugh just like mm-hmm. like running through it with a couple of characters and stuff like that like yeah there's definitely was that was that raid mode you're doing or the actual game raid mode ah yeah raid mode's great. good laugh Actually, RE5 sets up the events of Revelations 2 as well. That's true, yeah. Because it has files from Alex W. Alex about the Wesker project. Oh, yeah. Like the, all that nonsense about Wesker being like a turbo clone and all that kind of thing. That I don't like that at all. Um, just They should have just left Wesker as just a, a guy that gets embroiled in Umbrella somehow and then he... A, I mean, he got a bit too embroiled in that tyrant's claw at the start of uh, the NDRE one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fair point. Well, uh, but sorry. No, no. On you go. On you go. The uh, there's something that we haven't kind of touched on. There's not a lot to say about it. I don't think. Maybe, but um, it's in this game that uh, Spencer meets his end. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, at the hands of of Wesker. Yeah, that's right. Um. Which is, uh, to me, it doesn't feel like it. Uh, that whole plot make, doesn't make too much sense to me. No, it's not satisfying. Um, no, um, but we've already been uh, to use a 
a term, cucked on the demise of Umbrella. Uh, so, you know, whatever. Um, between, you know, three and four Umbrella, or Code Veronica and four Umbrella disbanded, or, or whatever it was they said. It, um, Umbrella and, died on the way to its home planet. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, we've discussed on here before about whether or not that was the right decision. And, uh, but, um, you know, if only he'd, if only he'd taken that fungus from that village he was at years ago, maybe he could have fought Wesker (laughs) off. Yeah, that's, that's true. And also he wouldn't have needed to set up a a chemical company that made zombies. He could have just been immortal. That is the greatest, like, amount of shit that's ever been pulled in that series. Like, I love the Lottie Village, but like, and I love the Lottie the narrative in Village, but like when they're like that, and you have to, you just have to kind of buy that, like, oh, uh, Spencer just didn't want the fungus. Like, yeah. Why? <laughs> it does everything he needs it, did he? He had a really bad experience doing mushrooms back at Oxford like, when he was nah, like, we've got a teenager these or something. Class red flowers in Africa that we can't grow anywhere. I think we'll just stick with that. Is that all right with you? Like, he hadn't even found those at that point. That's the thing. Oh, yeah, fair point. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, Spencer dying and also tricell being introduced and yeah. tricell is essentially umbrella it's not yeah. me- me- it's not meant to be umbrella but it serves the exact same fungu- fungus fungus <laughs> the exact same function where it's a evil company that makes bioweapons and has no scruples and through the files you learn about how you know the researchers are doing this and that and then it, at the end it's like and then all the researchers go got gassed to sleep and killed and buried in a in a grave so nobody could talk about this facility and it's like oh okay so yeah and then Tricell isn't around that much either like I know Tricell's in the Degeneration movie mm. and maybe mentioned in a couple of other things but they don't matter so there's not there's never any sort of there's this big evil company you never get to take them down ever like, why is there never a level where Chris gets C4 and blows up the opening, like, the, the glass doors to Umbrella Corporate Headquarters and just heads in and starts killing security guards and liquors and fights his way to the roof mm. and then uppercuts Spencer off the top of the Umbrella Headquarters the way that Cody kills Belger in Final Fight? Like, that's the way I would have done it. Mm. See, that... That to me is the one thing. There's a missing RE game. There's a game that should have been that just doesn't exist. There's no reason why they couldn't have had a game between Code Veronica and 4 where all that does happen. I mean, that scenario does exist in, uh, what's it called? Umbrella Chronicles. Yeah. There's an end of Umbrella level where Chris and Jill fight their way through I think it's Umbrella's European HQ. Mm. But it's not in a particularly good game and it almost feels non-canon I don't know if it is but it's got like weird Russian guys running about and extra Mr. X's to the point where it's a bit it's stretched it you know yeah so yeah, yeah I think we do miss we do miss one game to wrap up or even a movie they could have had after Code Veronica a full CG movie of Umbrella getting taken down yeah like something like that and see the like for example, Infinite Darkness, which achieves nothing. Uh, at least you could go back in the timeline a bit and then 
give people what they want, which is yeah. just like how what happened to Umbrella, like, and because you can't really ask people to play Umbrella Chronicles at this point, um, because as you say, it's not a great light gun shooter, um, but yeah, like do something like that, um, but it probably will never happen, so it's maybe pointless talking about it to be honest. Yeah, we're getting a little bit far from RE Five itself because yeah. the I think I just. I had some kind of future RE thought about how things were going, but well, actually, yeah. So RE5, I said in our introduction, represents the turning point. I would say this hasn't gone too far yet. Like no. you could maybe salvage the series at this point. Mm-hmm. It's not until six that you've taken it too far beyond what people want, I think. And obviously we're going to cover in future episodes the sort of nadir of the series and then it's redemption and then it's current greatness I suppose yeah. but but RE5 a lot of people bl- blame RE4 and say oh RE4 blah, blah, blah. I don't I don't even blame RE5 RE5 is no. a good Resident Evil game with some flaws that are mitigated by playing it in the way it's intended with a co-op partner Um. so yeah I, I wouldn't I don't hate it and I don't blame it for for the things that Six did wrong. No. And I think like stuff like um Resident Evil Two Remake and, you know, RE three remake um show that... Because I feel like there's a lot of similarities between the way you play those games and the way you would play five or four even. Mm-hmm. Um and I think going back now and seeing that like oh the decisions that were being made here weren't exactly wrong, you know. Um, yeah. And, and it shows that... Uh, I just think you come back to Five with a lot more... Um, not affection, but sort of... You can accept what it is a bit better, you know. Whereas the issues with Six are fundamental in ways that are... Uh, detrimental to your experience because you can play five and have a, a pretty good time even if you don't like the story or the direction it's going in because the mechanics for the most part if you're playing co-op or whatever work really well whereas in six it, it was a fairly buggy game as well to what i remember and just i hate i hate six <laughs> not looking feel to good it. yeah <laughs> um, yeah so that makes me think something i forgot to mention is that apart from the side games, you don't get multiplayer anymore in no. Resident Evil games. And RE2 Remake, with its two characters, could have easily uh, held as another co-op game. Yeah. Obviously, it'd be maybe too divergent from the original experience, which is what yeah. people wanted. But then Resident Evil Zero could be remade in the Reach for the Moon engine as a co-op game, and that could... That could to be work. Gu- to be good. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we'll get to that at some point. But yeah, I mean, like, I'll, I think I'm going to agree with you both in, in the general scheme of things here. That, like, that RE5, when I, like, when I originally played the, the first bit of it all those years ago, I was like, nah, this, don't like it. This is not for me. Um, and I've all, I'd, I'd held, like, a sort of negative opinion based on that experience and what I knew about the game. But having, played it now like there are elements to it where i'm like okay i understand we're trying something 
to we're trying to take the game in a different direction from RE4, but building on what RE4 was good at, like with the co-op stuff and um, various different like wee mechanics that we're trying just to see where they could take the series. But I think the the collateral of that is that RE6 took those um, the, the directions that those things go in. And that's not even just mecha- gameplay mechanics, I'm talking like story as well. So I think one of the issues is like a sort of over-militarization and over-dramatization aspects about like the, the bioterrorism um, angle and the stories for these games. And that is that starts to become apparent in this game. It was It's seeded in four, in my opinion, but it becomes very apparent in this game. And then it's terrible in six like it's it's just it's completely ridiculous there's a guy that can transform into a t-rex and like back and he's you have to beat him while you're driving through the streets of hong kong and it's just completely like bonkers and too far removed for anything that's good um so i think like rd5 like it has some good ideas some kind of misguided ideas um but in general like i walked away with it with a, a higher appreciation than what I originally thought of it, which I mean, as far as I'm concerned, if I don't hate a game, then it's a success in terms of like um, a usage of my time. It's something, at least. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that seems pretty fair. Actually, we said before we'd, we'd mention, and we didn't touch on it too much, but there's a couple of issues that wouldn't uh, fly now Mm. Uh, in terms of having essentially a white saviour come to Africa to save African people. Obviously, I don't think most people would would want that. You'd want Josh to be the the protagonist if you were to make the game today. Mm. But aside from that, also in Resident Evil 4, you're collecting treasure from this sort of village that's been cut off from the world because of the Plagas. In 5, when you're collecting these jewels and gold from tribal ruins it just doesn't feel quite the same and no. there needs to be a bit more sensitivity about that side of it as well so it is encouraging to think that in 14 years the world has moved on a fair bit um, and it probably wouldn't be the way it is but in terms of the overall story they're trying to tell it's kind of a climactic battle between good and evil that closes out the story of at least three games in the series. I mean, technically more, because obviously it's the last time we've seen Jill, I want to say, apart from maybe in the Revelations 2 ending. Yeah. So you can include Resident Evil 3 in that list as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so... Yeah, I suppose we're, we are getting final thoughts here, so, so I suppose, Dave, you got anything further to say about RE5? Not really, no. Like, I mean, the, my wee sort of spiel I had there kind of covered everything, to be honest. Um, but to kind of recap a bit, um, went in not expecting much. Uh, came out uh, pleasantly surprised. Um, I'm glad I played it. I, I think that's my catchphrase for the pod- podcast at this point. Is I, I'm glad I played it. Um, but no, genuinely am. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a relatively enjoyable wee experience. Okay. And Liam, you got any last nuggets of African gold for us? Yeah. Um, I'd say, you know, discounting 
issues with AI, and there's obviously a correct way to play this game, mm-hmm. and a way that is, you know, less desirable. But I think it's a genuinely good game from a, a mechanics uh, point of view, and I think that it's a genuinely good game from a ter- in the terms of like what it does with the the RE sort of uh, story for the most part. And I love, you know, things like I'll I'll never get tired of uh, Matrix Wesker. I I really want them to just, I mean, dying in the volcano is a fairly uh, decisive end for somebody. But if they could just bring him back, I wouldn't be too angry because we'd get more. Uh, I mean, all my favorite for Kazuya Mishima. Put it that way. Yeah, you don't uh, actually see him. After the missiles explode, uh, I checked. They, they, <laughs> they never cut back to a corpse. Um, so yeah, I think like my final words would just be sort of like, this game has issues. Some of them are to do with gameplay. Some of them are to do with what it did to this series, like what it did with the series to a degree. Although I think that those are massively uh, misdirected, as we said, and those should really be placed upon RE6. And then it has issues with, uh, you know, social issues and the way it depicts things. And that's a a massive thing that you have to take into account with this game as well. When you sort of try and place it in some sort of ranking of, you know. um, But I'd say if you're a Resident Evil fan, play it purely just because of that. If you're not there are other Resident Evil games that you could play first and probably should play instead. Not to say it's bad, but, you know. And your mileage may vary. I really enjoyed playing it again, and I thought the co-op was fantastic. So, Okay, so I guess I'll finish up, and I pretty much agree with with the other guys because it's not the best Resident Evil. It certainly isn't the worst. It's still got the the craft and the experience that Capcom can bring to bear on a game and they were using as I mentioned earlier the MT framework so their their last black magic engine before the RE engine so they were doing remarkable things with the hardware and although it's aged and obviously I assume we were all playing updated versions for for last gen rather than the original yeah but although Mm. it's aged it's still a good uh, experience it's serviceable play it with a friend or or play it online and try and get a bit of enjoyment out of it so i think i'll i'll wrap up there so next month hopefully closer to the start of the month as we intend to put these out sorry for that we'll be dusting off our camera obscura and uh, seeing what we can find in the darkness so follow us on twitter at rpd podcast and we're also available on facebook and let us know what you think of our new theme tune as well drop us a a tweet or a a facebook comment so thanks for listening Uh, bye from me Bye. Bye.